0: This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay Smith. G'day, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. I've got a killer conversation to share with you, featuring Chris Basile from a long-running New York death metal titans, Pyrexia. Now, the catalyst for the conversation is the re-recording and the re-release of the album from 2000, no, 1997, 25th anniversary, as a matter of fact. System of the Animal. You're gonna hear a tune from that album rather soon, but I need to tell you about some of the other things that you can expect to hear throughout this chat. Chris talks about the long-running, and I'm gonna call it success. I mean, any band that's been around for as long as Pyrexia deserves to be called successful, even though it's been a bit of a hard graft, no doubt. But uh, we also cross over into social and political commentary, and I think that is the equal of the musical conversation in this chat now as i mentioned you we will hear a tune from the album system of the animal i've selected purging the nemesis for your listening pleasure of course that's only for you people on the podcast apps for your youtube people you know the drill i can't play bloody music lest i get a copyright strike so we're gonna cut to the conversation as soon as i finish talking here for all you people on the podcast apps enjoy is purging the nemesis, let's go What's going on, my friend? Mate, it's uh, it's a very early in the morning here. It's uh, a crisp. I don't know. Being in New York, you'd probably laugh when I say it's about fifteen degrees, but uh, Celsius. That is not not Fahrenheit. So it's probably something resembling your summers, but still, it's bloody freezing for us. It's early in the morning. Five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, five a.m. Yep, five a.m. Indeed. Yeah, I'm used to it though. Yeah, I'm All used right. to it. I just saw Emperor last night as well, just up the road, and uh, they were very good, mate, so got a bit oh, of energy wow. from that. Oh, that's sick. Sick. <laughs> well, nice to meet you, man. Thanks thanks for having me out here. Yeah, nice to meet you too. I've been following the band, I wouldn't say closely for for a long time, but I certainly were, were aware of you courtesy of Metal Maniacs, the magazine. Oh, oh, great. From, from back in the day, and uh, as – a young fella not having access to a lot of funds you couldn't buy a lot of cds and then there was the napster revolution but then the streaming thing has allowed me to become a bit more uh, familiar with your back catalog if you like and just congratulations nice. on crafting such wonderfully wonderfully heavy brutal music it's just been a joy to listen to you. thank you man thank you yeah great stuff yeah so what's the, what's the motivating factor behind uh, sharing the album all over again, System of the Animal, and re-recording it for its 25th anniversary?
1: Uh, one of the reasons, I guess, because uh, we can, and uh, I don't know, I was kind of, kind of bored. Uh, we have an album that just came out about 16 months ago, and uh, it's really not common to put out new material, you know, so close together. But uh, I'm in a situation right now where we have our own studio, and I pretty much do this full time. And I find myself with a lot of time on my hands these days to, you know, continue working and continue putting out stuff. So one of the things that came to my head is we we just did this last album, Gravitas Maximus, with uh, Demigod Studios. And I was really finally felt we achieved like a production I have been searching for, you know, and really haven't been able to get uh, for most of the uh, material we, we put out. So it happens to be the 25th anniversary of System of the Animal. And that album came out at a time in 1997, 98, where it was on a small, tiny Denmark label. Uh, unless you were like a hardcore Pyrexia fan back then, you probably didn't get your hands on it. And uh, since then, it's never been released in any streaming format, any uh, any uh, replication ever since the early days. So it just seemed appropriate. I was looking for a project to do in the downtime. And I said, you know what? Got the new lineup, uh, new singer, much heavier. Uh, love this Demigod production, 25th anniversary. We have, have our own studio. Let's do this. Let's, uh, let's re record the album and uh, let's put it out again. So mm-hmm. that was basically what started it. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad with the results. I'm happy we did
0: it. Have you received support or otherwise from some old fans who love all of the blurps and squeaks on the original? Well, that's it. See,
1: it's a very small, that's another reason I I redid it is because it was 25 years ago. That's a a whole different crowd was around back then. Half Mm. the kids that listened to Death Metal weren't even alive then. Mm. So it really did not get any exposure back then. There's definitely some diehard old cats that, you know, like I'm the same way, want to see things kept in their original form and don't mess with it. And, you know, I get that and I, I definitely respect that, you know. But it's such a small portion because it was not really properly released. It came out on a Danish label with no distribution, small mm. pressing, no internet back then, uh, not streaming now. It just felt like it, it, it's again like we could reintroduce to newer fans that don't really understand our background and you know some of the work we did.
0: Mm. We attempted to. I'll be honest. I haven't heard the original meaning the one that was recorded twenty five years ago. You have not just- right. No, never. No, No,
1: most people haven't. Most people haven't. That's how I feel.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a great idea to remint it then. But were you tempted or did you redo some of the songs differently, so slightly different arrangements or lyrics, that sort of thing?
1: Uh, We kept it pretty much straight to the barrel because I know there would be some critics out there, but, again, we used a completely different vocalist, which Mm. is much more guttural and deep, which gave it a completely different uh feel you know 100 and the difference is in this one you can hear the riffs uh that i'm playing where back in 1996 when i recorded it, 97 it sounds like a mush i mean you know some of the things stand out but the faster riffs you really can't tell what's going on so just being able to play them and actually articulate them and hear them uh i think really put a
0: a new fresh uh spin on the whole thing Tell me about the the opening spoken word section from the first song. There was there. Um, it's taken on a very different context in two thousand and twenty five, hasn't it? Two thousand twenty three. Gosh, we're not that far ahead yet, are we? Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's, it's, v- it's interpreted very differently these days, isn't it? Comments for commentary like that.
1: I would say so. Uh, the, the 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 world today might appreciate that, though, even though it was twenty five years ago. Uh, there's people in the world today that just want to see hate, that just want to see uh, people fight each other over differences, whether it be race, culture, uh, ethnicity, uh, sexual orientation, whatever it is, they just want to see you at each other's throats. And that's nothing new. I mean, people going through it today might feel like, oh, this is a turn of times. and No, it's been going on forever. Uh, Dr. Seuss wrote a book about it with, you know, one group of guys had stars on their bellies and another group didn't have stars. And they fought, and this one genius came into town and was selling stars to the people that wanted, and wiping the stars off the other people, uh, just basically keeping them fighting and spending money. And uh, that's kind of what uh, that beginning entrance is: is people. I mean, you can you can paint anybody as a horrible person or horrible people, and it seems like that guy just flipped it, and you know made like anybody of a certain ethnicity. Uh, bad people and i think if you do that on any side excuse me of defense uh you're wrong you know it should be everybody's the same treated the same equally uh love across the board you know hate it's a bad thing and it's not new hate is not new it's like the oldest thing in the book
0: and in any form no good Mm. well said yeah it's uh it's not just in the United States, it's here in Australia too. Critical race theory is a very divisive tool, if you like, used by the political class. And uh, we've got something going on called the voice to parliament, which is going to – the idea behind it, the philosophy behind it, is to give the Indigenous indigenous people, whoever they might be, uh, meaning self-identification rules in these instances, so you can be one in 64th Aboriginal, Australian Aboriginal, and you, you can – Potentially have a say in this external body, which is going to have a uh, a say on matters in the Senate and in our Parliament. So our version of Congress, if you like, and it's, in, it's going to be enshrined in the Constitution. That's the big difference. Now, what uh, what issues are they going to have a say in? You pick. It's everything meaning there's nothing that's off the table and uh, we're going to see a lot of high court challenges and things which are going to slow our judicial process effectively. But we're also creating a class of elites through that process. And a lot of them, they are white and light-skinned. Black identifying is the key thing. The critical race theory is the implement or the tool that's allowing this this all to happen. So it was it was great to see that you actually left what uh, that spoken word piece on the introduction to that, and I hope a lot of people can hear it and And here the uh what's the right way of framing it? um well we we're, we're just in we're just in an era at the moment where people are being divided by immutable characteristics, and it's a it's a good summary of it, isn't it
1: and it's not new. it's just more people seem to be aware of it because of the internet and because of everything, but we've been been people have been trying to divide us over race and over everything since the beginning yeah. of
0: government. Yeah, no, exactly, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on the situation? You're living in New York City, I take it, or roundabouts? Not the
1: city, but uh, I worked in Manhattan for 20 years, so I'm, I'm well aware. I've only stopped working in the city right around the time COVID started.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, bloody COVID, yeah. The, the situation here with the death of Jordan Neely and the Marine, uh, da- Daniel Penny, is that making things reason- very...
1: Your side of the country, it's just, there's a million things that happen every day in the world. It's just crazy how the media can now make that an issue in Australia or conversation in Australia. How many dramatic, horrible things happen on a daily basis across every uh, state and country? Yet now they've chosen this one issue to make a global conversation. That's that's pretty pretty. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty crazy. It's a terrible incident, but it's I don't find it to be any more uh, horrible or uh, special or different than all the other incidents that I, we could look at any day from Chicago to New York to California to yeah. why do we pick this one to make it big and now like I said it's going to be talked about across the
0: world that's that's strange to me. What has it been since George Floyd it's been a couple of years so they need something to reignite the race war don't they and they've just chosen this it, episode. It, it, just picks, that's that's the obvious thing. I hope it becomes more obvious to people because that's the
1: obvious thing. I mean, they're just picking something. Uh, and when it starts to dim it down, it simmer down again. Let's pick something up. Make sure we fire everybody up. Mm. Make sure they remind them that they hate each other. We
0: don't hate each other. That's, that's all got to stop. Exactly, 100%. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about um, talking about the music again? Your experiences from the early days. I mean, surely at this point you could write a book on the early days of New York Death Metal because you're right in there, in and amongst the greats. So th- those early days with Suffocation, Terrence Hobbs, you know, what What are the some of the more memorable and prominent memories that you've got of that era?
1: I think I think was lost in a lot of things because, like I said, the internet wasn't around back then is probably the the early, I mean, Terrence Hobbs knows the first song I ever wrote, the first song I ever wrote in my life. I showed the Hobbs because that was the first band I ever really was in, you know, Mm. wasn't called suffocation or or, or pyrexia. Obviously it was called mortuary, but my earliest memories are sitting in in Terrence's room on his bed, writing 20, 30 songs with this guy of the most brutal stuff that everybody listens to today. But there was no way getting it out. There was no, uh, like I say, no internet. Uh, plus we were so young. We weren't even hardly old enough to play some of the club, to even go, you know, to try to get the music out there. The first show we ever played, this is a great memory of the earliest days, was the Battle of the Bands in a high school that neither Hobbs nor I went to. But our drummer, Mike Smith, yeah. went to the high school, Longwood High School. And we went in under false names so we could play the Battle of the Bands. And that was like our first official show ever out of high school. And some of them uh, songs and riffs, they were on Pyrexia albums and they are on suffocation albums. Uh, so I have to say that's some of the most memorable stuff it was the earliest, earliest days. First meeting Doug Cerrito and bringing him into the band and starting to work with him and jam with him and write music with him. That was like, you know, pretty memorable stuff. We all wrote a lot of memorable material back then. And uh, it's just crazy times. Back then you also had to really play your instrument. Uh, Mike Smith is mm-hmm. probably the only person in a thousand mile radius that could bless me. you know what I'm saying. So things were very different back then, very very different. No internet. Uh, every musician that did this knew how to play their instrument. Uh, no fake. No way to no way to fake it. You know that was a, that's, that's what I have to say back then. Uh, especially if you wanted to record something, you had to pony up some money if you want to do a demo. Nowadays you could take your your iPhone and record something that sounds better that we spent two thousand dollars on back then. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So there was no way to demo your your Mario out uh, like you can now. You really had to be rehearsed and uh, have a couple of bucks or have somebody else give you a couple of bucks to get into a studio. Because, again, there was no studios. Nobody could record death metal. The first re- uh, studio we recorded at was basically a rap studio. Public yeah. Enemy recorded there. LL Cool Jake recorded there. Now here comes Pyrexia. You know? These guys didn't have an ear or a talent for recording... You know, death metal drums or guitars and we were children so it was we didn't have any idea at the time so things have come a long way because there's a lot for everybody now to look back on and say oh this is how you do it oh i can do this and now now the equipment's available uh, you could have a digital drum set and you know an easy drummer or a superior drummer and map out a whole song and then work for your you know for your band where back then you'd have to meet with your drummer and show them the
0: parts you know what i'm saying it's uh, everything's different now yeah, it's, it's, I, it's different. yeah, I'm look, I'm 45, so I caught a lot of it back then. I was a young yeah. fella, 13, 14, this sort of thing in 1992, 1993. But I often say to people on the show that don't think that there's a trove of underground bands that you hadn't heard of from back then because meaning that back in those days, if you achieved any type of prominence, you were fucking good to your point there yeah. about having to play your own instrument because there was no yep. faking it. You couldn't fake it. And you better be good because you're paying $50, $100
1: dollars an hour at some wacky studio. You don't want to be going over and over. You want to get shit done on one take. You know, so there's a lot involved, man. You don't want to waste your money. You didn't have any money. Mm. So it was pretty, you know, very different. You got to be more dedicated, probably, you know. Spend a lot of time making photocopies and, you know, libraries yeah. and kink stuff like that where, you know, it's just everything's more accessible for kids. So
0: it's easy to be in a band or a musician, you know, than it was back then. Yeah, indeed, indeed, yeah. And you mentioned Doug Cerrito. I've tried to find him, not in a weird stalker way, but uh, just to have a chat with the fella because I'm sure he's got a story to tell. But what are your your prominent memories about him specifically? Just a
1: great guy, great musician, funny. Uh, Definitely keeps to himself, though. He has no interest in Mm uh doing something like this you know what i'm saying he would have no interest in like i'm trying to get this record out there so I, i'm willing to talk to anybody you know that wants to listen to me talk about the record where i i don't he just doesn't have the chance to do that he probably still enjoys writing and you know he's got great recording studio excuse me himself but uh you know i see him from time to time he comes to pyrexie shows i see him at events uh but as far as like uh you know he just very keeps to his own little very small circle and uh but he's very like i said i have a great time when i do hang out with him and laugh about the old days and he's good yeah. he's good
0: sweet yeah i'll listen to another one of your interviews in preparation for our chat and you're talking about how to bring in another member is really about bringing in someone who can contribute energy to the situation yeah. so have you found have you found those people
1: no, no, no. And actually, that's uh, like, again, with this conversation, we were having we had some practice last night. We got a couple of things coming up. And that's like the hardest thing. It's like if you were less of a guitar player, uh, but you brought such a hard dedication and energy, you stay in this project. The rest of your life. I don't care if you came down in here, you were the best guitarist in the world. But all you want to do is show up uh, yeah. 10 minutes before a show, not uh, assisting. in the real work that go playing the show is not that's 30 minutes you know what I'm saying that's it's the hours and the and, the, and the, the other stuff that goes into it that you really need help with you know what I'm saying and if you're not willing to do that in this band then it's really uh, probably not the situation for for you we have a, a family uh really look out for each other uh situation here so when someone steps in if they don't gel with that and it doesn't work like that it usually does doesn't work out we don't look for like uh fill-ins uh or like uh studio musicians to come help play if you're going to join or be with us it would be more like you know come come join us because uh it's more you look the joke is can how long can you sit in a van with someone and laugh and not you know be annoyed by the other person yeah that's that's you know what i'm saying so you know a lot goes into it But no, we've actually decided it looks like we're going to stay as a four-piece because we just did like six, seven tours as a four-piece. And it just works out great for flying, for hotels, for it's an even number. uh, It's just less personalities. uh, It it actually works out great. We're actually tighter, I I feel. So it looks like we're going to stay like this, at least for the time
0: being. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you find that you really miss having the second guitarist when you're in those situations? So therefore do you have to use backing tracks in the best possible way because the music's very intricate at times?
1: Well, you know, you don't you don't get your harmonies. Uh leads are difficult because you might, you know, things will drop out. We have mm. certain things where two guitars are doing, you know, there are like a couple of songs actually that are not played in the set list. So that, yes, that 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 is an issue at at some times. But again, yeah. it's just so difficult to bring someone in and uh, it's like, it's really always akin to like getting married or dating. It really is like, has to be the right person, uh, you know, in the right situation.
0: Mm. And you look, and you've succeeded and achieved despite all of this. Now I'm a musician too. I've been in tons of bands and been playing uh, for the better part of 25 years now myself. And it's uh when you have the wrong person in the band alongside of you and you are just even just forget about even packing up the pa putting it together putting getting That's all that a, stuff yeah. sorted yeah but when you're on stage and they're just not enthusiastic about playing in front of people and they're making mistakes basic mistakes different mistakes every gig it's one of the most frustrating things isn't it
1: That as well as like if you present like a a giant tour that you've been really working hard and they don't get excited and they're like, they're like, oh, I don't, they're not on the same page as like with the enthusiasm of of that level. You know, you get on a a huge festival and maybe they don't answer your text back or uh, they don't seem like they're they're disinterested on what you find very big. You know, it's things like that uh, where I see, you know, maybe that might be not the right fit for you. Uh, if those things aren't uh, big deals or it's not something you feel uh, like if we have a video shoot or something and you can't, you, you have a hard time fitting that into your schedule, then maybe this isn't for you. You know what I'm saying? Because that's kind of a mm. priority for what we're doing right now. So it's things like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so what are your thoughts? You've been going now for, gosh, what are we talking now? It's going on 40 years or thereabouts almost close, isn't it? Really? From Well, when not you that long.
1: I mean. I'm not not
0: coming up on 70,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but uh, it probably costs like 30 years,
0: yeah, 1990, so what is that, 33 years. 33 years, yeah, but I'm talking about from when you first started playing music and the like, and then... Oh my God, Yeah. yeah, 12 years old,
1: 12 years old, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, 40 years... Look, if you could go back and give yourself any advice now, when you first started, you know, those Genesis years, when you're coming through meeting people, working out who you want to play, who you need to play with based on all these things that we just talked about, you know, what advice do you think you'd give yourself?
1: All right, 100%.
0: And I say this to people a lot. I
1: spent a lot of time, uh, like I said, I worked in the city for 20 years. If I could go back to talk to young Chris, I would definitely say do not take... Now, again, I would not say do this to everybody because... Don't try to be, I'm not going to go tell you to be a uh, professional baseball player if you can't throw, you know, if you can't hit a fucking 90-mile 90, 90 pitch. But if you really got the skills to be a baseball player and you believe it and you can hit that pitch, go go for whatever it is you're trying to go for. Because I definitely held back and did not go after Pyrexia full on. I was too worried about uh, having a career and uh, supporting a family and worried about bills, where nowadays I would say, fuck that. Any monkey can make money. You will figure out a way to survive unless you're you you know unless you're a bum. That's when you don't uh, pay your bills if you're a bum. You're not a bum if you're trying to hustle and make your band big and do all kinds of shit. You're going to find a way. So I would have told myself, don't go for the career. Uh, stick with Pyrexia or whatever musical en- endeavors uh, you want to follow and go at that as hard as you would if you were studying to be a surgeon. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, so very that's true. I mean. Yeah, all, all or nothing sort of attitude.
1: Or nothing? Why you wouldn't? I always do it the opposite. Would you try to be a surgeon part time? I'm gonna be. I want to be a surgeon, but I'm only gonna do it maybe every mo- couple weeks. Uh, I'll i read. I'll study once a week. Uh, you know, no, you you got to go in, man. You're gonna be studying all day, every day. Internships, tired nights, uh, long nights. You know, I cannot to being in the airport with layovers. It's it's not gonna be all peaches and cream. But if you know, how long does the doctor study? and intern and do rough shifts before he's got his own practice. 12, 15, 16 years, right? Before he's got his own practice and he's doing his own, and forget Precisely.
0: about it. yeah. You a know Long I mean? apprenticeship, why, yeah.
1: Why wouldn't you put the same thing into anything you do? Uh, people put it, bands and music, like it's not going to happen. So they put it as this side thing. And I, to myself, I would say, don't do that. Unless for you, it's a hobby. Then keep it as a hobby. But for me, especially at this age, it's kind of hard to fake that I've dedicated my life to this. So I could have just told myself at eighteen, "Hey Chris, you're going to dedicate your life to this. Go hard." <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah. So what's I would have done has, that. What's been a worthy pursuit, though? I mean, look at the look at the look at what you've achieved. Look at the great albums that are out there. The heaviness, you know, that's what's going to yeah. stand the test of time. That stuff.
1: Yeah. I, I you know, and I can appreciate that. You know, it's just uh, I always always look to do better, and you know, it's always. Hindsight's always 2020 that's why I go forward now uh, and that's what I mean that's why we did this album because I I do go at this full full-time hard talk to any interview uh put out record I, I say now I'm gonna do something probably once a year whether it's a remaster or a re-release or a new material or something and the age of content I I feel you have to put that to your music as well if you want to mm-hmm. be a relevant uh especially in death metal a relevant act you got to continuously no more putting out an album Waiting three years Four years Or I say something every year Like I said It might not always be new But it'll be a new content Or something fresh uh, So you know That's my new approach And go full on Like we have tons of tours We're set up Tours through November From now Where any Like I said In the days past I could have And I always would say no Because of work and everything But it's, it's just a different Different time Probably because the clock Is running out for me too You know what I'm saying It's just You start to realize At a certain point you're going, to be, you're going to be under the dirt and you know what matters you know what i'm saying what matters to you what do you want to do and you figure it out i wish you would have figured it out sooner that's all i'm just glad i finally did
0: though yeah yeah well one of the great things with what you're doing is that you're carving out what's called what i call a legacy so long after you've gone there's going to be this there's going to be these totems if you like to your creativity that are available for people to plug into and because of the era in which you came through see so the internet because it's democratized information, it's a bit like the printing press. So, at any given time, well into the future, I'm to, even talking. It's not too ethereal to talk like this. I don't believe hundreds of years time. If people want to get into the origins of New York death metal, your name's going to be there.
1: That's. Uh, I mean, if we if the globe is still around, if we don't, if we don't blow ourselves up by then, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I yeah, I guess if you look at it like that, that that's cool. My great 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 grandfather uh, grandson might Children, look at something.
0: Yeah. That's what I mean. That's, isn't that a wonderful thing?
1: It, it, it is. And that's that's like, other than uh, the experiences, uh, that's the secondary thing that's the best part about doing this. Like, I'll tell you right now, Australia has been put on the table for us and that's like a bucket list thing for me that I can't wait to do. And I haven't mentioned this and I don't, I'm going to put it out into the universe because I don't think it hurts things to say it, but we've just mm-hmm. gotten an opportunity to go to China. And that's like, I, I can't, uh, th- those are like, that's kind of a lot of the reason why I do like a lot of this is uh, the friendships, the, the fellowships and uh, the experiences like that, because a lot of people put a monetary value on this. And I and I keep telling them I can't. This is not a career, but it's definitely could be a lifestyle. You know, some people could get lucratively uh, rich off it. Uh, I just don't think you should go into it looking at it like that, because if you do, if you do look at it as a lifestyle, you can definitely travel and see things you would never see and never go do. And that's a big aspect, uh, along with the legacy thing of why I've done this for so long, because I wouldn't, I don't know what I would honestly do if I didn't do this because other people at my age level to me have just folded up and Mm. I have nothing in common with them. Uh, I don't watch Netflix. I always bring this up as a joke, but like when people talk, it's always about either a sporting event or a TV show or something that they're not involved with. They're just watching other people live lives. And, you know, that's
0: just not what I'm, it wasn't suitable for me. That's so true, what you just said, then. I can't believe nobody's brought this up before this. I've spoken to. Seven hundred and fifty people at this point. But that's uh, that whole thing about why we do what we do because we want to participate and contribute as opposed to being on the sidelines and participating in life like as if we're a fucking spectator or something like that. I know I can't live lead life like that, and you're clearly of the no. same ilk. No. And it's def- that's that's maybe if you want to say separate, yeah, I would say
1: maybe that's like a separation, but I don't I'm not angry at people for not choosing that. But it's definitely that's a different way of looking at life because most people are, are consumer uh spectator uh position in life uh, looking at facebook looking at tiktok watching netflix buying stuff and that's how they get their adrenaline boost and their their dopamine you know whatever but that's they need that next hit they don't know so go find the next show or that's that's um, i don't know we that's joke me and sean yeah. kennedy who's been on this journey with me the longest like when we go like when saint peter meets us at the gates He's gonna be like, "Yo, come on in, boys. You lived, you know. You 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 lived your life. You get you get a special place. We gave you life
0: to to do something with, and you didn't waste it. Uh, you did some shit, you know." Yeah, yeah. I often I often think in that terms too. You know, if Saint Pete says, uh, "Radio, what have we got here? What are you doing?" He'll bring out my book, and there'll be a few other right. things around right. music. And he yeah, it looks like it, it looks like you had a dig, mate. Come on in. Yeah, <laughs> get on in,
1: man. You did something. You know, you did it. The book is full. It's not how many shows you watched or how many seasons of that you've sat through. Uh, it's just a different way. You know, it's, I don't know. It's just the way I am. I, and again, I can't even take credit. It's just in my brain. Mm-hmm. I don't purposely say I want to do this or do that. So that's why I can't judge anybody else because I don't know what's in their brain. I don't, but I just know in my brain, it says that's not appealing to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the same page, yeah. And you mentioned the tours there, uh, China and uh, potentially Australia in particular. Let's just talk about China quickly first. Is that mainland China, Macau, or Hong Kong? Or can you talk about that opportunity uh, a bit more?
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be like a little south of Shanghai, I believe. And it's not a tour; it's actually a. uh, It's just a. It's a one festival. It's a two day deal in uh, October that we're actually waiting invitation from the Chinese government, which is to me like pretty cool you know i think that's kind of cool even though it's scary (laughs) you know what i mean i know china's a crazy place but Mm. sean was lucky enough when he was in internal bleeding to go to russia and that's off the chart that's off the block blocks me now i'll never go to russia because of everything that's going on right now Mm. and that would have been a place i really would liked to go and china i feel that if i don't go soon I don't think anybody's going that soon because I don't know what's happening. You know, they want—I don't know. You know, what I'm saying Taiwan. Who knows yes, what's going sure.
0: on? Oh God, yeah. Well, Taiwan could be next, unfortunately, with the way That's things what I'm are saying. going. And uh-uh. it's, we're in a very, very dangerous time at this per, at this particular juncture, don't we? Yeah. Again, to
1: bring peace to people's mind, we have always been on a dangerous time. Just think, we were at the verge of nuclear war. We were at times when we were dropping nuclear bombs. We we went through Vietnam. It, it feels because we're living through it. I always try to put this frameness this of people because it can get overwhelming and people can get all, oh, I don't care. It's, this is the worst time. It's oh, it's human. Humanity is, is very messy and it's a constant give and take with good and evil and yin and yang, whatever you want to call it. But I can't find you a period in humanity where it's been peaceful. Like we want it to be like we imagine in our minds how we think the world is going to be it's been think of the middle ages think of uh, the the early world wars think of the civil wars think of the revolutionary war there's just so many it's just the way it is and we're going through our block of history of what ours is you you remember the civil rights marches and martin Luther King got assassinated i mean think of all Hmm. the horrible things can you imagine being alive when Kennedy was assassinated imagine if the imagine how you must have felt as a as a as a person alive in those days people getting assassinated like every other year you know what I mean it was like a time people were getting assassinated right so I feel uh it's 20 years 100 years from now there'll be something else going on that'll seem like it's the worst ever and I don't think it'll be then like it isn't now like it wasn't then because we lived through Hitler we lived through all this terrible stuff so it ain't worse than that right now it's just we're actually creating these problems like we don't even like it is so peaceful we don't even know what to do the powers that be like we gotta fuck shit up we gotta hate more because it's too good right now uh it's almost more of that i think because uh it's it's not that bad we're we're, we're we've got everybody's we gotta take a deep breath stop hating each other stop focusing on like you said you're talking about a subway attack in my city on the other side of the world that's manipulation. We once everybody sees through that, uh, we'll have another maybe period of some peace because it's not as bad. I don't think uh, we had the war. I could go on and on, right? It was just this constant. It's just it's always, yeah. it's always yeah. the twin towers down. It's just always. It's just bang, bang, bang. It's just it's just this is our point in history where we're dealing with this is our hate and bullshit we gotta
0: live through. Yeah, united we stand, divided we fall. The old saying it's it's very true. And you know, well, they know. Yeah. Well, yeah. big big tech. It's, I, I just would like to know, there's obviously there's some governing force, whatever it might be, that is uniting, say, the Democrats and big tech, and even even some of the Republicans as well, but the majority of it comes they're from the Democrats. Yeah, although you've got you've got over there. I mean, it's hard not to see. Unfortunately, see, this is what I say to my American friends, uh, is that American domestic politics is so powerful it influences international global affairs, you see. So when the Black Lives Matter movement happened, for example, you had Black Lives Matter marches here, for God's sakes. had nothing don't, to do with us.
1: I don't that's my point. That's why I used to tell everybody here and I tell people in America, I don't feel it's anything organic. Uh, I believe that's why I would see it in France. And I'd say, why are they rioting in France over what happened here? And that's, to me, that's the globalist. That's a globalism thing where they want... No, you're unrest. right.
0: It is a globalist issue. It's a globalist. Yeah. No, you're yeah. on point. Globalism. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, they want unrest. And they pick an issue and they say, this is going to be the issue. And then they all then it's like, now go. And then people take to the streets and uh, you know, some of them are just misled, some of them just some of them are uh want the uh discourse, but either way it's not good for anybody. I mean, that COVID thing, like it or not, killed and hurt and destroyed so many people and so many lives. Uh I was on tour when it happened and I was going from club to clubs like hearing rumors like there's this thing going around that like the tour might be cancelled. I'm like, what? What 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 do you mean? And like as it would get closer and closer to, to cancellation, like I said, we, it got canceled. Um, the, the shelves was it was like end of the world stuff. The shelves were empty. the toilet paper mm-hmm. things started happening, and I don't know about how people feel. I mean, but here we are at the other end of it, and I don't know. I don't know what happened. I feel like some somebody put a fucking pillowcase over my head, the shit out of me, and left me in a fucking alley somewhere. And I'm I'm like, I get up, and everybody's acting like everything's normal now, and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I look yeah. at my watch, and three years are gone, and I'm like, I feel like I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what that was. I don't know. I don't know what
0: that was, man. I don't know. I don't know what happened. COVID was very, very real. But as they say, never let a good catastrophe go to waste. And the left certainly didn't in their various jurisdictions: New York, California, the state of Victoria, even here in Queensland, uh, through government overreach, through the lo- the lockdowns, unelected officials telling people what to do and how. Instead of communities coming together and supporting the vulnerable, which is the way Sweden right. managed it, I believe Florida did something similar. Take care. But yeah, it was. It became a
1: pitch contest and a political contest of whose ideas were better. And meanwhile, everybody in the middle was suffering. Yep that's the only, that's the part of it I'm talking about. I don't even know what was right or wrong. I just know that both sides were fighting, and the us in the middle were suffering. And they went on for so long, and I'm just it's over and I, that's another reason I suck up every second of oxygen of life because look how quick that was taken away from all of us. Who knows when the next one's in my mind? The next thing around the corner where they say again, "Boom! You're not allowed to do this, so you're not allowed to go travel here or travel there." Mm. So I I don't
0: stop. You know, God forbid something like that happens again. Yeah, are you friendly with John Joseph from Cro-Mags at all? No, I, he's, I don't really see He's a couple years older than me. Uh, no, they live in a different area. Different, yeah. It's a different- He's. I had a really good chat with him just after the COVID thing. Oh no, actually, it wasn't just after; it was the end of last year. But anyway, we we dived into the COVID hysteria. Let's call it that. It was. I got a strike on YouTube because of it. So YouTube gave, because you get three strikes as you're probably aware with YouTube. Yeah, right. They gave you right, right. the strike, but you, but Spotify carried it. Spotify carried the episode and allowed it to. Well, it's still up, but uh yeah, there's. The point is, is that you talk about what sort of messages are getting out there, someone being uh, restrained and then dying on a subway in New York City, becoming big news over here in Australia. Big tech, the narrative, they choose the narratives that get out there, don't they? And if you go against that just slightly like what John Joseph and I did, bang, don't do that, otherwise I'll kick you off. Very scary. It's, it's scary times that people
1: don't realize. I mean, you know, thank God you got big voices like Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. that feels pretty much exactly what I feel on 90% of topics that are out there in the world. Uh, You cannot stifle ideas. You cannot uh, dictate thought. It's just the scariest road anyone could ever think that they want to travel down. And the ignorance of getting what you want now uh, to make these things happen could be the demise because the internet fires up young, uh, unexperienced minds in the masses to do things that maybe they wouldn't normally have done. And the, the people that want to make this happen are, are taking advantage of that. Uh, hence, whether you want to believe it or not, I don't know. But from, from what some of the stuff they talk about TikTok, the Chinese version of TikTok, I don't know if you've seen it, is nothing like the American version of TikTok. They don't allow any of the stuff that we allow on TikTok on, on theirs. Theirs is purely positive, uh, uplifting, uh, again, it's not, it's, it's communism, but patriotic for them to like their country. Uh, where ours is, you know, hate each other. Who's, whose ass is better, but let's flash the tits. You know, I got, I'm raising a daughter. Uh, I just took her iPad away because she's got the, the she's rocking with the TikTok. You know what I'm saying? Why well, yeah. ask them not to do it? Uh, it's, I, I, it's it's a crazy it's a crazy thing to navigate to know what is organically happening out there and what's being done and you don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist but you also don't want to be a sheep and just consume uh, these things they put in front of you where you see a bunch of red flags so you know it's just it's just different times man <laughs> different times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I've got daughters eight and nine and uh, I threaten them with the iPad all the time, meaning I'll take it away. And they're not, they're not getting into, they're only, I've locked down YouTube so that they get the version of YouTube that I've allowed them to have because they're out of the family plan, if you like, but I've straight up said, just forget about asking for TikTok and they're already talking about it.
1: All the friends, all the friends have it. All the unsupervised friends, I should say, uh, have it. And uh, you know, I, I looked into it again, I'm not going to be, I'm not that type of father where I'm just like, no, because it's something I heard or read. We went on TikTok together <laughs> and looked at it and I was just like, you know, hell no, it's just too much, uh, too much sexualized, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. content for a young, a younger person where you're just going to, it's just going to take you, you know, in my, in my particular opinion, you know, not, not down a, a good safe path. Yeah. Uh,
0: no, you're I'm right. Like you're, just, you're being a beautiful father. It's got nothing to do
1: with that. Yeah. I'm trying to promote an album here. You're going to have all the kids under 20 hate me and say, fuck this <laughs> old oh, man. Uh, we want TikTok.
0: But, no, you're uh, safe, Chris. My, my When I look at YouTube, the analytics on YouTube, my audience is between 35 and 65, mate. So they love this stuff, mate. They, you know, it's I'm because they're just nice. saying,
1: You don't know what you can say anymore. You know, you say the wrong thing. It's like people, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're the bad guy, you know? Uh, it's just that's so why it's a strange time. I actually, I swear to you, it's so funny. A friend of mine who is just really enthusiastic about the band, he's, he's become part of our crew. He's like, mm-hmm. You guys don't have a TikTok page. This is like uh, maybe two days ago. I was like, No, we don't really have that. He's like, Let me make you guys a TikTok page. Let me make you guys a TikTok page. I was like, All right, go ahead, man. And he's out there doing that. He's got now we got a, a Pyrexia TikTok page out there. So, I mean, it is a useful tool. You know, I mean, it's not like I don't mm-hmm. want to use it, I don't want to, you know, engage. I just, uh, you know, it's just not for the younger, I would say. I would say it's the only thing. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a Chinese conspiracy thing. In my thing is just my kid is too young. Uh, I don't want her on there. That's
0: basically oh, def- my thing. Definitely a tool of espionage too because of the reach that it has into the rest of your devices. See, when you dive into the fine print, and again, Joe Rogan's spoken about this, but they've done it, and it's yeah. all of your connected devices on these iPhones. It records no. keystrokes as well. So there's no question it's a tool of espionage for, on behalf of the Chinese government, and they just threw – probably billions of dollars into ensuring that the algorithm was something that was the best that had ever been created insofar as obtaining and working its way into the way in which we lead our lives in a digital sense and obtaining that understanding, if you like. So that's, I've had it, I, I'm not signed up to it, but occasionally I'll sort of log in because there's some interesting things, frankly, that are on there, but and, and, and I can't get it anywhere else. They're not reposted on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, all of this stuff that we're talking about, this is all what I often say. If you're an, an, an adult, these things affect you regardless of whether or not you want to believe it or not, okay? So you can choose to lead your life with your head in the sand. And what I find is musicians like you, Chris, you've always got a nuanced take on these matters, and that's really important because music is—it's a bridging mechanism, if you like. It makes us feel better about these; better, it enhances our lives. Well, I could say one thing to make you
1: feel better. Uh, I see a picture of somebody like always shows a, a picture of somebody on a toilet with their iPhone or like their phone, they like, at the head down on the toilet and everything. Mm. And we all do get affected by the social media. It's just a more advanced method. I mean, you could probably remember these days, there used to be a magazine rack in the fucking bathroom where you sit on <laughs> the 12 magazine rack, right? And you read the magazine yep. and there would be advertisements for your cigarettes and for your beer. And so, so we've, it's, we've been subjected to, or any article you read in time magazine back then you might not have known was perpetrated by someone that wanted you to read that article in time magazine. So it's just on a much faster, far-reaching level, I think, uh, with the internet and the, and the phones. But I really believe, again, people used to get the morning paper every day. They'd sit there. Husband and wife would be sitting at the table, both with the, fit, with the paper in their faces, not looking at each other. The kids mm-hmm. eating the cereal, staring at the cereal box, reading that. We were still that type of uh, human side of things. It's just that now it's just sped up. It's slicker. It's glossier. It's glossier. Uh, it's more enticing. There's more, more, ways for them to make money. they bring you in more, but I really think the general idea has been going on since mad men, since that, you know, the earliest days of advertisement. Yeah. And, uh, it's just human psychology, man. When they used to flash the subliminal shit in the movie theater, it's just, you know, they were always doing
0: something to us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They were always messing with us. Yeah. Always. Yeah. always. Yeah. yeah. Mate, I'll, I'll make this my final question for you. And it's something that you've already mentioned, but, uh, us here in Australia, have you had a lot of messages and mail from us over the years?
1: Oh, absolutely, man. Australia is definitely, I feel very akin to uh, America. Uh, I, I have, uh, actually, Josh Barron, who used to be in suffocation for the first two, re- no, actually, that's maybe the first record. Uh, he lives out there now. hes He's got a band, Mammoth, I think. And oh, wow, I think okay. he's Adelaide or something. Uh, but he's out there now and he brought his whole family. I went to high school with
0: him. And his whole family's out there now. Oh wow! Okay, I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of kinship between the United States and Australia, no doubt. But uh, the tyranny of the tyranny of distance pre-internet meant that it all felt so far away from us. I agree. I agree. And- And uh, as I say, I was certainly aware of the band and was a fan, no doubt. And uh, I I, I just appreciate that you focused on being as heavy, or my interpretation of it is you've always kept the heavy groove. You've never deviated from that.
1: Well, you know, everybody usually has like a thing that they try to do and we just try to keep it fresh, but yet not deviate from what really people expect when we put something out, which a lot of times people are disappointed. We do have a lot of fans. I don't know. You might not know. Uh, really just like the first album we did Sermon and don't want to hear anything different and it just like that and that's like the Bible and I can appreciate the purism of that but I do like to mix it up on the albums but like you said generally keep it heavy and you know stick to a thing but you know fresh and, and, and different each time you know?
0: Yeah definitely yeah absolutely well mate I hope to see you out here sometime uh, it'd be great I- to catch up but it'd be great to watch you
1: Same here, brother.
0: Well, thanks very much for this, man. It's been a fantastic conversation. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it
1: was great talking to you, man. I really appreciate meeting you and uh, hopefully we meet uh, in person one day.
0: Absolutely, brother. God bless. Thanks a lot, brother. Yeah. God bless you. Catch you. There he is ladies and gents, what a fantastic fella, Chris Basile from Pyrexia, I hope he's on the 70,000 tons of metal cruise which launches from Miami in January 2024 because I'm gonna be on it and I'm advertising that on my website scarsandguitars.com, whilst you're at the website why don't you check out my book as well, click the link in the banner and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice. The book is all about conversations that have taken place for the podcast it's an expanded i go into a lot more detail some of the commentary around what i was thinking what i was feeling what was going on in my life even even what was going on in the world at the time yeah it's a book that goes there just like that conversation you heard nice one chris thanks very much again mate all right my name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. There's some more information to share with you about the book Scars and Guitars, conversations from the world of heavy metal and beyond in the moment. So please stick around for that. And until next time, it's a very goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew Mackay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017, The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume One, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a a
1: band just starting out, you need to hear me.
0: Do not start a band with partners, ever. Yeah, wise words, sage advice mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I
1: can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved.
0: Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the, I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down or Super Joint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgia write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-president Donald Trump. We have this... Idiotic monster! You know this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, I, I just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with sepultura. Percussive Overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner.
1: Chuck was always, um, you know, he was he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they had.
0: Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1 there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration and throughout it all you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself, Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook, with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample, I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.